Before we get started, we have a few special promos to feature. Be sure to check out the show notes in this episode to explore what you find in the following features. Enjoy. Greetings, fellow travelers. Welcome to my deep dive series, where I, MS Arthedian, dive into alternative tabletop role-playing games much like Reborn in Power, and what sets them apart from the TTRPG behemoth, Dungeons and Dragons. This series is an exploration into systems and settings that make up epic stories to be told. So sit back, relax, and let's dive in. Why, hello there, my wonderful audience. Welcome to another Dive Into episode. This time we have, well, Blaze Reason and World Shapers. Ishenkon? Is that how you pronounce it? Ishenkon. Ishenkon. So, before we dive into World Shapers, I w- I'd very much like to hear your origin story, what got you into tabletop <laughs> RPGs, and how... And how you basically got into developing uh, Shanacon, uh, and like just how it came into fruition. <laughs> Your origin story sounds like uh, <laughs> I've come from a distant planet. Yes, was destroyed. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, I think I'm human, so <laughs> it's the well, name um, of the game. Yeah. So I, I'm a software developer, a day nerd at night. I mean, okay, software developer is already a, a bit of an early job, but uh, how did I get started with tabletop role-playing games? Mm-hmm. It was like uh, five years ago. Uh, technically, early, I always wanted to play a tabletop role-playing game, but I never found a group. I found people who played it, but they were never in the area. Mm. And then one day I was like, okay, whatever, I'll make my own group and I started with Dungeons and Dragons, the starter set, and that's how the story of me being a forever DM started. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, to be honest, I, I do have more fun being the GM than a player. I mean, being a player is fun, but I like to be in the center of the attention. To be honest, <laughs> it's <not> every, <laughs> yeah. as a player, you always have to wait for the others. As a GM, you're constantly having to do something, react and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I like that. But, um, yeah, I started playing uh, Dungeons Dragons 5th Edition. Mm-hmm. But after a while, I noticed that there were a lot of problems with it, balancing issues and stuff that wasn't fun. First, I tried to fix it with homebrew, but then I noticed the foundation was broken. Mm. And then I was like, I make my own, and then I'll try to make my own system. That's almost four years ago. Oh, wow. Uh, I've been working on Ishanekon World Shapers. Uh, should I like, give a rough description what uh, yes. makes Ishan- Please, yeah. please. <laughs> uh, the focus of Ishanekon World Shapers, first of all, is system agnostic. You can basically play it in a setting. 
I cannot really think of any setting where it wouldn't work at all. Um, it also has the focus is on character options to really allow you to play the character that you have in your head. I love the concept of showing um, uh, roleplay through mechanics and your character complex through mechanics. And I try to implement it. The system has an insane amount of options. We have uh, 10 archetypes with 11 sub-archetypes each, so 110 uh, sub-archetypes, over 800 abilities, (laughs) over 400 talents, uh, which helps you to further customize, kind of like feats, but uh, you actually get a lot of those, and not just like one or two. And uh, then there are traits. If you really want to make something weird that isn't a standard humanoid, which gives you options like not having arms at all, you know, if you want to play a dog or something, or being a huge creature. Um, But uh, yeah, those are optional rules because with traits, you can pretty much break the game. So you need uh, permission of the GM to use them. Yeah. And if you have uh, power gamers, even if you allow them, I should suggest like take a look at their the trade choice before you. <laughs> um. Honestly, honestly, that is one of my favorite things about RPGs in general is character creation, and you have definitely made a very massive like customization character creation like, and it's all it's all available on on your website worldshapers.com, world dash shapers.com um for anyone who wants to go yes. and check check it out there will be a link in the in the description of this episode but yes you have you have so many options i remember when i was making uh at first i made a uh another character that was like a a techie type character because i you know i i, mm-hmm. I like my side like my sci-fi t- style <laughs> <laughs> characters also. Yeah, sci-fi is awesome yes yes um and I I very much enjoy like th- th- there's a lot of different options. So going in with a concept in mind, I al- I always give this to like my, like players of my own because I I also have like a, a very customiz- customizable system as well with a lot of options. Uh, and mm-hmm. I always say like come up with a character concept in mind before you jump in here because if you don't then you're going to have to make a bunch of decisions that you are going to, it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of like mental, (laughs) mental things going on in your head. And you're just like, Oh, I don't know if I, it just drains you at a certain point. Um, But yeah, having, having a character concept in in mind, but your, your system is, is very intuitive. It's very like, just as soon as you, as soon as you know what you, what you want, you just click on the specific options and then you, you get, you get it. You get it for your character, and then all, all you have to do is really input it into like the PDF file and stuff. And because you're you're the you're a like a a software like a- engineer and all that stuff, you're able to to make something that is unique and is I I would say it's along the lines of D and D Beyond, but I don't like I D and D Beyond, you know. D, it has some baggage to it now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, first of all, all of my stuff is free. You know, I mm-hmm. personally want to be like a counterforce to uh, companies like Wizards of the Coast that are really just after your money, right? How? And how, that's also like something. Hmm, what? How? How do you plan on uh, on uh, monetizing World Shapers? 
I'm not really planning to make the money back that I have invested into the system. It's uh, and it's not really my goal. Mm. I am planning to do a YouTube channel. Maybe if that explodes, I might be able to make some money back. Mm-hmm. I bought basically, yeah. I don't need to like I invest as much as I can afford. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, not all that I can afford. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I have to save up for a retirement, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, uh, yeah, I. I originally was planning to do a Kickstarter so that I could uh, switch to uh, halftime for a while to speed up the development. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, but then I saw how on Twitter other Kickstarters with far more followers didn't uh, not get the amount of money that I would need to switch to halftime. And I was like, whatever, it's going to take le- longer. But... Um, then I also not like charging money. And you, you work on World Shapers alone? Like you don't have anyone else working with you on it? Mostly alone. Okay. I did get uh, some help along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, like people with ideas. Like uh, ideas. And feedback. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like play tests and all, and all that stuff. But like mo- the mostly website. It's, it's you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah, you can see other people that help me in the uh, on the main page. If you scroll down, there's uh, things there. Yeah, I have a colleague, for example. The website is running on a private server he has, and he's actually playing paying the domain cost. Oh wow! For example, um, and I had other developer colleagues that helped a little bit with the website development. Hmm. But yeah, I would say like at least ninety percent of the work comes from me well i mean the art of course i have an yeah, artist yeah. friend that i pay to do the art uh, <laughs> well uh, we are all kind of in the same the same kind of boat i would say is like I, I have had a lot of a lot of help along the way with with my own system um and like mm-hmm. there were times so i've been working on it for nine years now i think almost 10 oh, impressive uh the thing is, is that I've gone through many different iterations of systems to get to where I, where I'm at. So like, there's like, like, I could pull out like my old my old character sheets, and they were completely different. The name was was different. All all of the system mechanics were different, um, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it wasn't as robust as as it is now. But like, I've I've kind of stayed more so on, in like my own like creative endeavor trying to be like oh i want to create my own my own game and then people will will give their ideas but sometimes yes you you want you want those teams to be able to help help out with with bringing forward the the actual game itself and that's that's like the hard part for for us who are more like indie like uh by ourselves like solo solo creators because we we have to do all the different work like uh, marketing and advertising mm-hmm. and doing and ma- making all, all the the campaigns and and figuring out what the next step is for for bringing the game to to players and all that stuff and then letting letting players take hold of the game so that they can actually run it themselves and all that stuff and that's like that's an insane amount of work even when you're like you're actually working on the game itself and but then, and then you want like mm-hmm. an actual an actual team to work with you but then sometimes if, if you're working with a team 
you start to butt heads about what ideas you want to put you want to put into the game and all that stuff and eventually the the vision kind of gets soured by like a just too many ideas kind of go, going through and it's like you have to find that healthy medium i think yeah definitely like i think the most annoying part for me is the marketing yes i wish i would need to have to do the marketing <laughs> but, um Got to find, got to find those, uh, those social media managers, you know. <laughs> well, those are expensive, you know. I like, know. Uh, I wish I had. <laughs> uh, you know, I wish I could afford that, but uh, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I'm not a millionaire, right? Uh, yeah. I think I do have like a nice job, uh, decent pay, but I can't just like. On the side, pay for stuff like art. Mostly, uh, most of the money flows into the art, but also partially in uh, like marketing stuff. I mean, I bought myself a fancy camera for the streams, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, my sister has professional voice acting training, and I've hired her to do some stuff for the YouTube channel that I'm planning. Mm. It's probably going up uh, next week. I was planning to do it this week, but. The one shot that we uh, recorded that was three hours of footage. Oh yeah, editing takes a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's why I, I when I when I record any of my stuff, I'm like, I'm not gonna edit it. Like, yes, I understand that there's periods of in like it, there's moments inside the game session where like people people may may like not realize like the players might not realize some some of the rules. So then. We have to go through all that that stuff, but that's also a part of the game. So I I don't edit it because I want I want the full experience. I want everyone to see like okay, this is how how the game works, operates, how how people like may have have questions that then I can answer in in it so that people can understand what is going on, you know. And so I, I and I, the times that I have tried to edit it, it just. It just takes so much time, and I'm like, I don't want to do it anymore. I'll like, I'll eventually, if if it gets bigger, I'll like, I'll hire someone to edit it. <laughs> yeah, um, I totally get that, especially with uh, leaving in the rules questions. Mm-hmm. That can be very valuable because that gives the watch uh, the people to watch it an insight about uh, how the system works. Right? Yeah, exactly. If you're just looking from the outside. For example, I'm just saying, okay, I attack, and then I roll, and then I say, I've got a 17, 12 damage. And then everybody's like, okay, how did he get those numbers, and how do they attack? What does he have to roll to hit? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not obvious by just watching. Yeah, there's there's times where maybe, like, a player doesn't add a specific modifier, and then, and then... As like the GM, because you know the system, you're like oh, that doesn't seem right. Like, did you did you add everything up? You know, <laughs> or or oh, yeah, or yeah. they got above the, above the maximum they could actually get, and you're just like, you didn't do it math correctly there. <laughs> yeah, I got uh, one of my uh, private campaigns. I've got a player who has a bit of difficulty to uh, really get into the system. Mm-hmm. And uh, one Cedral, I've got a 19 on the skill check. Uh, uh-huh. Level 4. Uh-huh. That's a possible level 4. <laughs> it turns out to use the D20 instead of the D10. Oh, yep, yep, yep. I actually had so uh, I actually had a player inside, inside my game. Uh, shout out to shout out to Oscar. 
if, <laughs> if he's listening. But he, uh, he, so my system's a D12 system, but he, he used a D20. Mm-hmm. He rolled a 12 on the D20 thinking he crit. And, and then I looked at him. I'm like, I'm like, are, are you uh, going to change your role? He's like, what? Uh, I crit. And I'm like, it's, it's a D20. And he's like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, yeah. anyways, we're, we're we're going off on a little, on a little tangents here. But oh yeah, right. Let's, let's <laughs> back get back to the <laughs> to the topic at hand. Um, so mm-hmm. so I've been doing this. Like, I've done I think now four of these. Actually, no, three three of these. You're my fourth. So I actually want to oh. go through the character customization process with you, if we can. All right. Because I want to kind of get into this with my audience and see if we can make something really cool. Let's go into where is it? Custom character. Um, introduction. Yes. It would be under. There is. There's a guide on how to create a, a level one character under guides called character creation. Oh, character. Of course, there are the rules if um. Yes. So let's yes. let's go through the process in which a character is built in Ashenakon World Shapers. So the first right. thing first thing you want to do is you're going to go to world world-shapers.com/guides/character-creation. So mm-hmm. uh, first thing up is we got you you said that you want we should choose our but what's the first thing we should choose when it comes to uh, usually you choose uh, your first pick your archetype, which is kind of like your class. But I called it archetype because I wanted it to be more an abstract concept. You know, mm-hmm. you're not a fighter; you're the war archetype mm-hmm. or the bulwark archetype, and as such, there are ten uh, archetypes. Each um, some are more typical, like for example, war. You get the image of the classical. Uh, fighter with the weapons, you know, or cunning, which you get images of the rogue. But then there are more uh, unconventional, like demolition, which is about just hitting as much as possible. Doesn't have to be damage. There's also uh, the infuser sub archetype for healing, for example, mm-hmm. or um, and or the, uh, I think the weirdest one is the reality archetype, which has all the reality warpers, the fourth wall breakers. And just all the weird sub archetypes. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, it's probably good to uh, start with the image of your character first. You know, okay, okay I started in with the mechanical, but okay, first so think about what kind of character do you want to play. What kind of character this, should uh, we then... should we make right now? Let's see, let's see. Um, uh, let's mm. let's go for a. Well, what what's a what's a good starting character? You, you think? That, that, a good starting character um, that would that would feature your system the best about, way. Uh, how about uh, like a cowboy with a revolver that's okay, specializes so like, like in just gunslinger, quickly shooting gu- gunslinger type? Yeah, character. yeah, a gunslinger type of uh, character. Exactly. Should we go uh, like a, a space cowboy, mm. Should, like like a sci- a little bit of a sci-fi <laughs> twist to it? Uh, uh, yeah, sure. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I so. mean, uh, if you think cowboy, uh, you don't think like frontline warrior, right? So yeah. I wouldn't go with war or bulwark. I think cunning would fit. 
And I'm thinking of the swashbuckler. The swashbuckler sub-archetype is uh, specialized in uh, getting extra attacks. The more you attack, the more charges you get, and you can spend charges for extra attacks. Those extra attacks don't skip your charges, otherwise you could have an infinite loop of attacks. <laughs> that would be broken. All right, so but, um, so first first thing we're going to choose is we're going to go... We're gonna go with the archetype, and cunning. You said was the one that would probably be yes. best for this. So exactly. Out of the archetype of cunning, we have eleven different sub archetypes. We have agent, uh, ambusher, yes. expert, rogue, scout, shadow, sniper, specialist, spell knife, swashbuckler, and wanderer. So, um. This this is basically like that. This archetype is specifically kind of like your your roguish, sneaky, sneaky boy trying to in, uh, infiltrate into the enemy's ranks or or doing some you know speedy. I, I don't know, like hi, hiding hi, hiding in plain sight, going up and stabbing people in the back, or or shooting them from afar, sniping. You know, like the agility based a base class or, or something like that. That that's that's kinda like the archetype in general. Yeah. But you can you can obviously uh, build generally it how the you idea want. Yeah, basically the idea is the unfair fighter or the um the one who's uh, tries to find victory outside uh, outside of direct combat. Um you can actually make a strength based uh, cunning archetype if you want to like the brute bandit type character. Mm-hmm. So let's see. Uh, um, what would be the best for like a gunslinging uh, space cowboy who's piloting a ship through space and being like a Han Solo type character? What would be the best sub archetype for this? I think it would be either the Wanderer or the Swashbuckler. That, the Swashbuckler, like I said, is a, like multi attack specialist. The Wanderer is interesting as he can replace one of the weapon stats with a skill. He's quasi a skill weapon hybrid. Okay, so then I would and I would may- say hmm? I would say Wanderer would probably be the best one for that then. Yeah. The funny thing is that the image for the Wanderer is actually an alien cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um and then so I mean the Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, the concept of Wanderer is of course extremely flexible. I think it's very fun to roleplay. Uh, you have to pick one skill and the idea is okay, how does that skill help you with attacking? There is a uh, one person that uh, suggests psychology, and basically every time you attack, you do a yo mama joke, <laughs> <laughs> and this immortalizes the enemy, and so you uh, get a better hit. <laughs> uh, but it could be something more simple, like raw force, where it's just you hit him very hard. Yeah, you have a you have uh, a lot that, of skills in the game. How, how many skills is that? Total? I think uh, 34. 34. 34 33. Okay. Mm. Um, so we also have to choose our primary stat. And I'm assuming dex- yes. dexterity would probably be our primary stat being, you know, like more... Yes, if you go for a cowboy, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, like the revolver has a primary stat of dexterity. Mm-hmm. Secondary stat, uh, with the cunning archetype, you have the choice between intelligence, charisma, and instinct. I think if you, I think the Han Solo type character is yet the charismatic rogue, right? So I would suggest charisma, but instinct would also work. Yeah, I feel like I feel like instinct 
would instinct kind of go with like more of like a pilot type because you have to like do like instinctual like decisions when you're when you're oh, pi- piloting behind like a like a, a spacecraft or something like that. Actually, yes, uh, the vehicle um, the vehicle handling rules and also the vehicle handling skills rely on instinct. Okay. So yeah, if you want to make a pilot, you're right. Then instinct makes more sense. Yeah, because I, I I'm not very uh, I'm not very charismatic myself, so I don't know. <laughs> Everyone likes to drop the charisma <laughs> stat. <laughs> yeah. All right, and, and then, then we can also choose the evasion stat, which like, would probably be dexterity, right? That I would assume if we're going. Again, uh, we, uh, for the cunning archetype, we've got the same choices. No, no, no. Uh, dexterity is cannot be a uh, oh. uh, evasion stat. Like basically, how evasion works, you got your uh, dexterity. Plus the stat bonus of uh, your evasion stat. Oh, okay. So basically, the evasion stat is the secondary way how you dodge stuff. So usually, you only get either strength, intelligence, charisma, or instinct. You know, strength is powerful and that helps you like moving away. Instinct is reacting to it. Intelligence is like analyzing the situation and getting out of dodge. And charisma is like you're so graceful that you get out of the way. I mean, you can also reflavor the stuff. Let's go but, with um, let's go with instinct for the evasion stack because yes. that that makes that makes the most sense for what what we're trying to build here. Um, yes, usually the your evasion stat can be uh, also a primary or secondary stat, so it makes sense to pick one that you already have as a primary or secondary stat. Mm. Mm. So now we have. We have so we have stat points, we have skill points. Uh, stat points is for your your stats, which is strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, charisma, instinct, and will. Um, and then you also have yes. you also have skill points, which uh, goes towards all the the thirty four skills that are connected to the stats, and that that is what you would roll for like a specific skill check if 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 you know. You as as do you, do you have a specific term for your for your game masters or is it just game masters? Just game. I, I was thinking about narrator, but I think another system also used narrator. And mm. I mean, G, I GM like, is like the universal term for it. Yes, I, I use I use lore master. That is, that is my 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 term for it because I, I I like I like the idea of like the the lore master being the that's the storyteller, the one that that kind of. Uh, weaves the the lore behind all the stuff, and then and then inside inside my game, the the players are called chosen, and it's basically like you you are the chosen of the lore master. The lore master chooses all of you for this for this narrative thread st- structure that's going to be uh that's going to be told throughout an entire campaign or something like that. But yeah, um, but lore masters are a cool name for a GM. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> For for your GM, your your GM is you basically are gonna have your players like just do do specific checks, uh, just like any any other game. Um, these yes. these skills are they're all tied to these these stats. So what should we do first? Should we do skills or should we do stats first? It usually makes more sense to choose uh, your path and other features. Oh, path because, and other features uh, first. Okay. That, could, uh, that can affect how many stats uh, you have. Okay. Well, then... or, but technically, yes, you can um, 
uh, go straight to stats. All right, well then. Uh, but uh, yeah, we already had let's, stats. Let's, let's go. Th- around, let's continue with stats. I mean, I, I, I'd be uh, I'd be fine with going the the best route, whatever you think is best. Yeah, let's uh, continue with stats. All right. Um, so, so we- yeah, of course, it makes sense to set um, basically how it works. Like the standard version is, you got twenty seven uh, set points. You get one stat point per level, and the maximum is your uh, twelve plus your tier. Your tier as every three uh, levels you gain an additional tier, starting with one at level zero, and then three you get two, and so on. So mm. our maximum is thirteen. Mm. It makes sense to dump everything into dexterity and instincts. Those are our yeah. primary, uh, like most important stats. And other than that, I think charisma. If you want to call like the roguish smuggler type, uh, makes sense to have it high. I would say at least twelve. So this is this mm. is what I'm I'm missing from my system is the the ability to have like drop downs and just click, and then all the all the stuff is calculated for you. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> so I just changed the dexterity to to a thirteen. Um, I have twenty two stat points left gonna turn instinct to a should i go to yeah i'll do i'll do 13 16 left and then yes let's, let's change this Con- constitution determines your your health right your vitality yes exactly so, basically maybe you go through it like strength that determines how much you can carry mm-hmm. Dexterity evasion, as I just said, uh, constitution, vitality, and temporary vitality. Intelligence gives you extra skill points. Charisma determines your narrative momentum, which you can use to re-roll dice and for cinematic actions, which is basically the rule of cool implemented into the rule set. Mm. Instincts gives you extra initiative, and will gives you willpower, which you use to uh, for abilities, kind of like mana, but doesn't have to be mana. Mm. All right, so then I'm going to give charisma a 12 i'm gonna give mm-hmm. intellect a 12 i'm gonna give will an 8 and constitution a 9 all right look at that we got a, so we got a 10 strength we got a 13 dexterity a 9 constitution 12 intelligence Charisma is a 12, Instinct is a 13, and Will is an 8. So, yes, uh, I think that's a good build. I, yes, then I guess we could continue with uh, the skills. You yes. want him to be a pilot, so of course, let's go vehicle handling. Vehicle Again, the maximum handling, is yes. 2 plus uh, tier, so 3 at the level 1. So, 3 in vehicle handling makes three. sense. And then, probably going to want some okay quick fingers what what is quick fingers is that like a quick fingers is uh you know everything that uh, has to do with fine precision and with finger speed card tricks be stealing something but also like drawing your gun really quickly that would probably so it be a would good make one, right? sense to use that <laughs> if you want to be the uh, like cowboy type yeah since we're wanderer we also have to think which skill will be used to um uh, for our weapons attacks. Oh yeah, by the way, uh, the Wanderer, uh, the, their first feature gives us three extra skill points, so you can Ooh. also add them in the modifier to have three additional. 
Okay, so then I'll I'll add three additional with that. And then so we're gonna want so I think quick fingers will probably be a good one to to have at three. Yeah. Um, Definitely fits with the whole cowboy theme. Let's see, what other things? Survival would probably be a good one because you know you you're going out in space. You need to know how to survive out in <laughs> out in the middle of space. I'm gonna put that at a, at a two. Mm-hmm. Um, intuition or in, oh, in, improvisation too is is a good one. So like, yeah, I think that fits also. Yeah. Uh, so with... improvisation. How would how would that be used in in game? Improvisation. The uh, first of all, it increases your initiative. Okay. There are okay. five skills that increase your initiative. Quick fingers, for example, also increases your initiative. Oh wow! But improvisation is also one of the crafting skills. Uh, if you don't scale into it, it's one of the weaker ones since you cannot upgrade items. It's more like just quickly cobbling something together. Yeah, yeah. But improvisation is also acting quickly uh, without a plan or um, it uh, doesn't really um, to be honest I, you don't really roll it that often but since it's a crafting skill and it gives you a bonus initiative it's still uh, useful I usually when I, when hmm. I, when there's a skill or like something like that where where uh, you don't roll it very often that you i feel like that is usually a specific skill that the players have to choose to roll rather than the the gm specifying like telling them to to roll it it's itself like there there are specific skills out there that are, are that are like that inside inside the games i i know i i have that a lot like um and definitely yeah yeah so i think i am going to uh Give that one probably a two in improvisation because mm-hmm. I feel like he's going to yeah. improvise a lot when it comes to, to the heat of the moment. Um, yes. Hand shot first, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, intuition. What, what is intuition? Intuition is generally feeling it's something up and re- roughly reading a person. It also increases your instinct defense role, mm. which instinct defense roles rely on things that um, where reacting quickly is the best way to uh, get, say, for example, a grenade. Uh, instinct represents oh, uh, getting cover or quickly uh, kicking it away to uh, reduce its effectiveness. Mm. Or blinding effects also often use instinct defense roll because if you're quick enough of just closing your eyes, uh, you're not affected by fl- blinding effects and such. Uh, but uh, in game, it's mostly used to like, is that person lying to me? You can also use yeah. psychology for that, but um, intuition is more popular than psychology, I guess. <laughs> 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 hmm. uh, so I'm gonna give. Nimbleness. I'm, I'm going to give him a three nimbleness because you know makes sense. You, you got to be you got to be fast. Uh, computers would mm-hmm. probably be a good one too. I think. Yes, makes sense. Giving him a little bit of hacking capabilities. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see what else. What else is maybe let, let's give let's give what's how many points do I have? I have ten more points. luck maybe. Luck would be a good one, yeah. Wait, uh, yeah. Yes, yes. Let's do it. Let's do luck. 
at a two. And then also, luck is added also to the narrative momentum. So, oh. if you, uh, which can be used to reroll dice. Okay, well then maybe I'll put that at a three. <laughs> um, mm. Let's see what what else is there. What else is there? We got so I I have currently a two in computers, a two in improvisation, a three in luck, mm. a three in nimbleness, a three in quick fingers, and a two in stealth, a two in. St- survival and a and a three in vehicle handling i also think that having what is so meta meta is like your how, what, what is that is that like you you have meta knowledge or something yes uh how, to which degree your character is uh, uh knows that they are fictional <laughs> and also uh, the ability to get knowledge that you should not have access to it, uh, it it is the fourth oh. wall breaking skill, but oh, it can what? also be used for uh, like oracle like abilities. Okay, okay. Now I'm now I'm thinking whether or not I want this character to be a, a fourth wall breaker. <laughs> uh, um, I think per- perception is a good one to get. So I'm gonna put mm-hmm. a three in perception because you know. Yeah, makes sense. Uh See, he has a negative one in perseverance, and perseverance I feel like is an important one, right? Would you say perseverance is especially valuable since it's added to your uh, will defense roll, and yeah. will defense rolls are valuable because a they uh, give you extra defense against psychic damage, and together with uh, constitution defense roll, they're uh, designed to be the most common type of defense roll. All right, so I'm I'm debating. So I, okay, I I have two points left. I'm debating between perseverance, uh, persuasion. I would go pre- with persuasion. Pre- presence. Uh, if you want, really want the charming rogue, you know. Yeah. Uh, is there? What What's the difference between persuasion and presence? Persuasion is um, how likable you are and. How well you can convince people. Presence is how much authority you um, uh, put out. It's uh, good for inspiring people to uh, intimidate uh, enemies mm-hmm. and just like giving a command and seeing if the person believes, oh, okay, uh, yes, this person, it's legit that they are giving me uh, orders and stuff. So let's see. Does this, uh, sh- should we, uh, I think. Persuasion will probably be. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna give it one point in persuasion and one point in presence, just just because. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that is all our skill points. What should we do next? Yes. Next is uh, we should probably choose our path. All right. Since we want to be uh, the cowboy type, which mainly fights with their weapon, I mean with the revolver, mm-hmm. probably it, it makes sense to pick path of attack. Paths generally. Uh, uh, determine which core mechanic your character revolves around. Path of attack gives you extra attacks or stronger attacks depending on what you choose mm-hmm. uh, when you level up. And uh, yes, it's like the default for any weapon-focused character. There are other options. Path of maneuver if you want to be more like an ability user. Maneuver abilities uh, can often be used with weapons and 
path of maneuver, maneuver makes sure that your maneuverabilities get strong enough so that they can keep up with the extra attacks that you would get from path of attack. Mm. Um, and other than that, maybe path of flash attacks, which allows you for only one action point instead of the normal two action points to attack, but only as half the power. Mm. But that's more... Uh, Good for like a hybrid build, like to using two action points to use an ability and then one kick, a quick shot with the revolver. But I think we are more focused on the weapon. So, so either path of attack path is of easier attack. for beginners, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, I mean, I, I've already played one session, so maybe I'm, I'm more than a beginner. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, path of maneuver is not that complicated. Uh, but, um, I, I think I'm going to so go path you, of maneuver because my last character had path of attack. So I want to I want to see uh, what's different. Yeah. Um, but with that, oh, we also got uh, the one. Oh yeah, so yes, so, we still got to choose the skill for one of yeah, one yeah, which we uh, said would be quick fingers, which fits with the whole quick draw and yes. quick fingers image of the cowboy. All right, so we have Path Maneuver and Quick Fingers is our Wanderer's Resourcefulness. Uh, I mean, I'm just going to read off the descriptions of these. So Wanderer's Resourcefulness says you gain three skill points, which we did, uh, and then you Mm -hmm. get to choose one skill. You can replace the secondary or primary stat of any attack you make with with your skill level in, in the chosen skill and use it like a stat bonus. So basically, it's just saying you you can use that as your as your primary attack like the quick fingers yes um. exactly so uh, most weapons have to, uh, not, not all weapons have a secondary and uh, primary and secondary stat mm-hmm. and this uh, allows you to you know use that skill to attack which mm-hmm. i think is very flavorful and later on you get extra uh, and uh, at level three, you get an additional feature where you can, with one action point, make a skill check. And depending on the stat for your skill check, you get additional bonus. For dexterity, for example, you gain a bonus to your evasion if you succeed on this uh, skill check. Mm. And it's like allows you to build in your chosen stat into combat, making him like a skill uh, weapon user hybrid. Mm. So. Also, path of maneuver. Uh, this one, this one's a bit longer of a description. It says you gain the following bonus bonuses once you reach tier two. If you use a maneuver ability on a weapon attack, you gain, uh, you gain from the attack action. Its damage increases by a number of d10 equal to the tier of the ability. So, uh, tier of the like each ability will have its own tier. Yes, your uh, own tier determines which tier you can, uh, what uh, tier of abilities you can learn. Oh, okay, okay. And um, yes, strong abilities have a higher tier. And and tiers go up uh, every third level, right? Yes. Okay. You can also upcast abilities, spend more willpower, and if you upcast, for example, a tier one ability to such a degree that the willpower cost would be in the range of a tier two ability, it becomes a tier two ability while you're casting it. Mm. So you can still use lower tier abilities and get the uh, two uh, 2d10 damage on it if you fully upcast it. Let it scale with you kind of of thing. Mm. Yes. Yeah, and then also uh, you get to choose one one of your maneuverabilities that you use on on weapon on weapons attacks, 
that is not of the category healing and tier one. Uh, you can now use this ability without using willpower, uh, as if it were upcasted to two willpower less less than your willpower upcast. So, what, what kind of explain that a, a bit more? Yeah, that's why uh, Path of Honor was a little bit uh, more complicated. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, the numbers had to be so complicated uh, because I had I was tinkering so long on the path of Anua to make the numbers add up with path of attention. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was like a multiple days project until I got the numbers just right. Yeah. <laughs> Why it's that weird? So um, basically, just um, the second part is to give you a maneuverability that uh, you can use if you run out of willpower, so that you can still reliably attack mm-hmm. and. Uh, so you can use it upcast to um, you have an upcast limit so that you cannot spend all your willpower on one ability and just over the whole battlefield, mm-hmm. which uh, the limit increases with your tier. So uh, tier one is four, and for each additional tier, you get two extra. Mm, okay. So in this case, if you reach uh, le- uh, tier two, you would be able to upcast it to four because six is your limit, mm. and uh, uh, but the damage is halved. So I uh, put it only, um, but it doesn't cost any willpower if you use it this way. Okay. So it's weaker than your full potential, but it doesn't cost you anything, and th- you have a reliable attack option. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I like that. I like that. So what is next after the path and our features? I think... Um, Oh yeah, one thing I forgot about the skills, you can spend skill points if you want to learn additional languages. I don't think Ooh. you want to for this character. Your default-wise, you can start with two uh, languages. But I think that should be enough for our space cowboy, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always just grab a but... translator or <laughs> so, <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> um... Next would be a lesser talent. Which allows you to further customize your character. Okay, so I'm going to click on cool. Add or Remove Lesser Talent. Yes. Let's see, what's what? We're going to go with Ranged Weapon User because it's there's like filters that mm-hmm. you can actually choose from, which is really cool. So I'm going to click Ranged Weapon User. Uh, damage. Should I do damage abilities? Hmm. What should I do? Probably uh, the best choice uh, there is for every way you can wield a weapon uh, a lesser talent. You know, you have two-handed attacker, uh, one-hand precision, and multi-wielder. Since we are just using one gun, it probably makes sense to uh, take the uh, one-handed precisions, which uh, gives us plus two to attack rolls. So one-handed weapons... um, are not uh, don't deal as much damage as just two handed weapons, but with this uh, feature, they are far more precise. So that would be my suggestion. But of course, you can take a look. <laughs> so we get uh, one lesser talent, right? That yes. Okay. Dang. My my other, my other character level, had like you three. You can get an additional. <laughs> what my other my other character had three because I was a vindicator. <laughs> Ah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. the war archer type has, uh, gets to instead of a, a feature, they uh, start with two extra lesser talents, mm. which is uh, the idea behind this that you can get those weapon specialization on all your armor proficiencies and whatever you want. You know. So there's also quick sp- quick yeah. draw as well. 
Oh yeah, right. That makes yeah. You're right. We should probably it. take quick draw I'm, because I'm quick the revolver. <laughs> yeah. Uh, quick draw. Uh, the uh, revolver is a, a weapon with the reload property, which means we need three action points to attack with it instead of two. Mm. But with the uh, um, quick draw, we can re- uh, ignore the reload property of a ranged weapon. And yes, that makes more sense. It has a higher. I think it's has a high priority to remove that penalty of one extra action uh, point than to get the plus two to hit. Then that maybe would be a good choice for level three when you will get our next lesser talent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alright, well, we have quick draw now. And what is next after the lesser talents? The abilities. Abilities. Uh, all characters start with uh, two abilities at l- level zero, and depending on your uh, archetype, you learn a different amount of abilities. Cunning is a hybrid uh, type uh, archetype, so you get one each level. Since we're level one, we start with three. All right. So yeah. we get three um, ability categories. Mm-hmm. Which category should I do? Probably a few maneuver abilities would be nice. Maneuver would uh, probably be good because I have the path of maneuver, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, range weapon user. Yes, I am a range weapon user. Mm-hmm. Um, let's do it. Let's, let's see yeah. that, what that brings up. So I have cunning, maneuver, and range weapon user. Armor piercer. Yes. Armor piercer looks... Uh, yes, it's an excellent counter against high armor targets. Mm-hmm. Um, Ooh, disarming attack, quick drawing. Yeah, that was also what I was thinking. Qu- quick drawing <laughs> and just disarm someone with a shot. Oh, that would be a pretty good one. Um, yes, I also immediately thought about that. I think that would be a great fit for our um, yeah uh, space cowboy. Let's let's go with disarming attack. Is going to be one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. So we have two more, right? That yes. Okay, so we have a lot of other things. Yeah, a ton of options. <laughs> Ooh, um, so, so I, could... I, I, I kind of want to add counter because counter worked so well for me last time. <laughs> yes, sure. Why not? Honestly, because uh, I, 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 I think that like if like, let's say like he got he got shot, but like he he was able to dodge all the way and then just quick draw and, and fire off a shot. This is counter. <laughs> to attack yes, like uh, right as a, right as a miss. So let's do that. Um and then let's see, you have any idea of a a good one? You could uh maybe go for something defensive. Uh the yeah. system is rather swingy and if you have zero defensive options, you're going to feel that it's very swingy. One thing I'm thinking about, maybe combat roll, which allows you to roll out of the way of area of effect abilities. Um, but um, combat roll, maybe parry if you want him to be dodging actively. I mean, it's called parry, but you can reflavor it as dodging better. Um, but of course, you could go full damage uh, dealer and think, oh, I'm going to have a tank in the group and he'll t- be t- taking all the attacks. Or you're saying, okay, I'm ranged. I'm going to be uh, at the back, so mm-hmm. it's going to be fine. Okay, well, then I, I think I'm going to do combat mm-hmm. roll because I-, I think that's 
like you know barrel rolling out out of the way of different of different things it's just <laughs> going to be barrel rolling everywhere <laughs> In my last Mass Effect uh, game, the sniper used it very effectively to uh, get out of a lava spring. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then that yes. is our three. We have a disarming attack. We have a counter and a combat roll. I th- I think he's going to be pretty uh pretty agile in combat and being able to do some some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, then see. the next step. Uh, oh, uh, the items. Um, Inventory. Uh, we should go exactly. Uh, first of all, uh, let's give him a add or remove items. Um, basically, every character has an equipment and a bag. So, equipment is kind of like your spell focus. As a weapon user, you probably don't. Okay, you still need it because you can only use ranged weapon attacks if you have equipment, because equipment also represents your ammunition. So, yes, you definitely also need an equipment. Okay. But uh, it's also. Not bad to have equipment, even if you don't have any abilities to actively use it, because you can upgrade equipment from uh, later on for maybe extra vitality, extra willpower, and such stuff. And a bag, which basically allows you to carry around all the small trinkets that are not official items, right. so that it doesn't count toward the inventory. I try to simplify the inventory system so that it's not uh, overly complicated. And all those like yeah. trinkets, dignity, uh, crafting materials, just Tails go in the bag and ignore the uh, weight of it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's just too many things to track, and like that, tra- tracking things is more for like if like, you really like require it in the world, like post-apocalyptic st- style settings, because like mm-hmm. you want to be able to, you want to be able to track stuff inside a post-apocalyptic setting because well, there's not there's the resources are limited there, so uh, you you want the players to feel like oh they're they're running out of the supplies that they have. Whereas like other, other settings, you know, you, there's just too many things to track. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yes, uh, in we, my systems, you basically track like armor, clothes, equipment, bags, and consumables, which are, you know, like ability items yeah, yeah. and also rations. Mm-hmm. Uh, rations, rations, rations are a good thing to track. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so but we yeah, have okay. You got the ba- equipment. Mm, yes, we have the equipment. We have the bag. Uh, what else do we get? I know. I know. As a uh, like the, your actual uh, archetype might actually tell you like all other things that you might get. Correct. Uh, you as a cunning archetype, you're proficient in light armor, so you can choose uh, between clothes and light armor. I mean, you can also take something heavier, but. First, you would get minus four to your, your evasion cap, and second, I don't think that fits to the flavor that we're thinking about. Yeah, so we're going to so, do light armor. Mm-hmm. Light armor has an evasion cap of 15 and gets a plus one to armor. Highly mobile, but at least you have a little bit of defense if you get hit. And we're also going to get a revolver, right? That That's, that's, of course. that's the plan? <laughs> now, yes. what's the difference between a, a revolver and a heavy revolver? A heavy revolver is a, a two-handed weapon. Okay. Basically, it's a bigger gun with that much uh, knockback that you kind of have to wield it with two hands. And that would require strength, or uh, no? Uh, uh, the he- heavy revolver is primary stat dexterity, okay. secondary stat instinct. The uh, oh. the normal revolver is one hand is a one-handed weapon with an. Uh, 
dexterity of uh, yeah, primary set dexterity, secondary set charisma. So you know, because it's a stylish weapon, that's yeah, why I yeah. use charisma. So maybe Plus we should have go heavy, yeah. heavy revolver because I I did do my secondary stat as as instinct. Remember, you can replace one skill, oh, yeah, uh, one set true. with your skill anyway. So that's true. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> and that's one of the great things about the Wanderer that you are way more flexible in your weapon choice. Mm. <clears throat> Basically, you invest in like invest in strength, uh, uh, dexterity, and your skill and. You can basically wield any weapon you're proficient with uh, effectively with your sets. Okay, almost. There's some weapons that don't have dexterity or strength in them, but those are uh, unearthly and mind weapons. Kind of more of an exotic choice with psychic damage or mystic damage types. Mm -hmm, mm All right, so I chose the revolver. Maybe eventually I'll Mm -hmm. I'll get like some dual wield action going on and and dual wield some revolvers. Like... <laughs> uh, if you want, you can uh, take two and replace the lesser talent with multi wielder. Multi wielder allows you to make a second attack with uh, any uh, additional weapon that you're wielding, but uh, but the second attack it's only half damage and you get minus two to both attacks. Mm. If you really want to just like fire, pow, 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 pow. Mm. I think I think we'll wait on that for when this character ends up leveling up throughout the system uh all right eventually we'll get to there we'll get to that point <laughs> we got to get some progression. Make... yeah all right so um what what next is it is that it or... uh yes uh, we got the equipment and uh we got uh, the ability that's it actually we got, we got the features yes <laughs> awesome um, yeah, so I, I think it's a cool character. I really like the Wanderer. It's one of my favorite uh, uh, conning sub archetypes, just because of the flavor variety that you can get. Uh, I really, um, I think together with the Swashbuckler, I think one of my favorite builds that I want to try out is uh, uh, kind of similar to yours, but it's uh, multi wielding uh, revolvers with the. Uh, um, uh, swashbuckler and revolver hero uh, mm. great talent. Uh, each uh, uh, each weapon has a greater talent that um, sp- uh, to give it uh, extra flair okay yeah. some weapons share uh, a great talent revolver hero for example is shared by pistol and uh, the revolver mm-hmm. but uh, it basically allows you one a free attack on your first turn you know symbolizing that you like quick draw mm-hmm. uh, getting a shot before everybody else can react and com- uh, com- in combination with the swashbuckler and multi-wielder with level uh, 3 you can get uh, and the assault ability which gets you another attack you can just like I think get 6 attack in the first round like oh. not all of them deal full damage some of them deal half damage but still it's kind of fun to just like first round just pow, 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 shoot yeah. everybody down yeah yeah I know <laughs> like there, there's there's times where I'm making like specific like skills like feats and, and, and stuff like that and I'm just thinking like how can I make this really cool but not break the game to where to where the the GM is just like god damn it why did I let them have that <laughs> Because, <laughs> but like you know, there's like a there's like a balancing act that you have to do, and and being a like 
is that has been that been a difficult thing for you as you've been creating the system? Occasionally, uh, while playtesting, found abilities and features that were overpowered or underpowered. Um, mm-hmm. One of the famous things were snake spirits. Snake, uh, snake spirit, among other things, increases your uh, crit chance. Originally, it was like three uh, lower. Uh, you have to only roll three lower. So basically, mm-hmm. sixteen is already a crit. And then one of my players tried it out, and he melted away the enemies like they were butter and. Okay, let's reduce it to lowering by one, so ninety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to make those like mm. those like split set. You basically have to improvise in those moments where where you're just like crap. I just messed up on on a on a system thing and probably need to edit the the whole thing because <laughs> I'll I'll do that too. Where I'm like, where, where like someone will say something like, "Can I do this?" And then I realize, crap, I don't have that written into the system. Sure, you could do that. I'll like let's let's do this, and then I'll have to go back and change something about it uh, later later on. But yeah, that's why. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah go uh, go ahead, go ahead. That's why place testing is so important. Yes. You'll find so many things. Uh, yeah, not just overpowered, also underpowered. I had to buff the uh, martial artist twice. For example, one of my players took it, and I noticed, huh, it kind of feels a bit underwhelming. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a little bit of a boost, and uh, so so uh, yes. with with world world shapers. Do you have a as you? Ha- I know I know you're you're just you're continuously working on on adding adding extra stuff, uh, uh, fixing up all the stuff that you already have. Do do you have a plan for making your own settings for world shapers for like? For people who are going to pick up the game and don't really, don't wor- really have their own homebrew world and want like something to just help them kind of get through it, do you have like a a, a setting guide that you're that you're making, or maybe uh mo- like modules, like actual game game modules that you're going to make with it? There are four setting plans actually, and mm-hmm. some modules. Uh, sadly, like I, I, I'm just one guy, right? So yes, it yes, might take a while. Of course, yeah, <laughs> I, I completely but, um, understand. <laughs> uh, the first setting I, I want to finish, which I already started work on, is the Head Cannon Multiverse, which fully takes advantage of the full flexibility of the system. Basically, the idea is each of us has a multiverse in our heads of all the fictional worlds we know and. That's our headcanon multiverse. And it also has like a, also versions of reality, how we see it, right? Mm-hmm. And there are forces in there, uh, multiverses forces that with specific agendas and your characters might join one of those factions and potentially travel from universe to universe. Mm-hmm. And uh, the... I know, like, uh, it's a little bit cheating because I say you just fill it out with the worlds that you know. Yeah, yeah. But there is still that framework around that and the factions. For example, there are the storytellers, which work for the narrator, which Mm. basically is the GM. Sounds very meta Um, already. (laughs) Yes. They all know that they're fictional, and they think that uh, telling a story, be it to teach a lesson or just to be fun, 
is uh, the duty of all fictional characters. So they make sure that the stories always go as they should be. Should uh, sometimes that means being the good guy. You know, maybe there's an imbalance and the uh, evil guy is too uh, strong and they have to de- defeat him and help mm-hmm. the heroes. Or maybe it's uh, ensuring that the protagonist becomes an orphan to get the motivation to become the hero later <laughs> on. You know? I'm going to become the villain so that you become the hero and defeat me. <laughs> yeah, basically, uh, if we would use an alignment system, which, uh, I mean, I know it's like a very limited version, they're kind of like lawful neutral, you know. Mm-hmm. The story has to go on no matter the cost. Mm-hmm. Then they are the... Um, the children of light that serve the creator, which is basically the god of the world, which ironically he knows that he's secondly only the second strongest entity, the strongest is the narrator who has full control over reality. But thankfully his primary goal is that there's a good story, so he would never fully abuse his power. (laughs) Uh, uh, But uh, the goal of the creator is uh, to uh, bring his light to the world, you know, drive down the... um, I always forget the name of the uh, evil faction, basically, that they kind of serve uh, the evil in the world, which is in direct opposition of the Children of Light. Mm. Um, I know, right. They are not called the Children of Light, they are called the Light of Creation. And the evil faction is called the Children of Darkness. Oh, which, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, the Light of Creation, they are basically lawful good, you know, mm-hmm. serving the Creator. Kind of faith based and imbued with uh, supernatural powers by the creators and try to spread good as far as they can. Uh, Children uh, of Darkness is like the evil uh, stuff, right? There's no like moral complexity, unlike the three other factions. Like, they're just straight up evil. (laughs) And I think uh, a fun faction is the uh, final one the Fiction Freedom Fighters. They also found out they're fictional, uh-huh. and they're not happy about it. <laughs> and their goal we is want freedom to, um, from the ba- fictional universe. <laughs> yeah, basically, break the power of the narrator, free all the characters so they're not the puppets of stories to uh, uh, to entertain uh, uh, real beings. Uh-huh. And uh, they're kind of chaotic good, you know? Like, uh, we want freedom, we want the... Not- Topia for everybody, and we don't care about the rules. <laughs> um, and yes, you have to have four uh, factions. Each of them has a reason to be in conflict with another. Of course, they are like the clear rivalries between like Light of Creation, Children of Darkness, and the storytellers and the freedom fiction, uh, the fiction freedom fighters. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, for example, uh, the freedom fiction fighters and the uh, uh, light of creation are also in conflict because they see the creator just as another tyrant you know they say yeah they're being good but we are not going to serve anybody we're for freedom so there's also the uh, conflict potential and each other factions um, for example also uh, light of creation and the storytellers the storytellers strive for balance between evil and good because no side can totally win otherwise there are no more stories mm. and that of course annoys the children of uh, darkness and the light of creation because they want to be the final winners of the conflict. <laughs> so th- there's also a uh, conflict potential, and 
the idea is also you can make those organizations as big or as small as you like. Maybe they, it's just to play characters and it's more small scale, or maybe they're really huge organizations. And if you go for the huge organization path, I already have NPCs planned. Mm. Um, yes. Nice. Very then nice. I d- should I also like quickly go over the three other settings, or do you think I already talked enough about the first one? <laughs> you can go over the th- the three other settings. Yeah, the other one is kind of an urban fantasy. There are uh, Orders of the Cross is the name of the setting. Mm-hmm. There are seven um, Christian. It's basically our modern world, but an alternative vision where there are seven secret Christian orders and nine satanic organizations, and it's like secret world uh, war against each other, but the real world uh, doesn't know about it. And you have supernatural elements, and those secret organizations also have uh, better technology than the rest of the world, so do you have a bit of sci-fi. It sounds, um, that sounds kind of like how, like, it, it it reminds me of Assassin's Creed, and how, like, they have, like, the secret, like, obs- yes. Abstergo indus- uh, Industries, is, and then you have the, the assassins, but, like, they're not, like... They're kind of fighting each other, but this one is, it sounds a little bit more de- deeper with like the whole like because Christianity and like like di- and different de- denominations going after like the the satanic satanic cults that 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 sounds like a like yeah. I originally uh, designed that world with the idea how uh, how would you design a Christian shooter that doesn't suck <laughs> that a non-Christian would like to play? Yeah, yeah. And that's when I invented that world. Um, you have like the Templars, which uh, are mostly uh, operating Europe, which have a militaristic culture. You have the um, uh, Sword of Flame, that are more like Middle and South uh, Africa, which actually guards the Garden of Eden. Mm. Um, oh, wow. Uh, and uh, the f- um, and yeah, you know, like basically every continent has their major. Um, I mean, not necessarily a continent. There's also like one for North Africa and the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the, the satanic organizations are less like continent-wise. There, uh, for example, the Illuminati, which are all about subtle manipulations of the masses. Uh, mm. Um, uh, and collecting political and monetary power. There were the Warbringers, which are basically mercenaries that are interested in instigating as much war as possible to make as much money as possible. Then there are the... Um, uh, what are they called? Uh, basically, like, evil uh, cultist magicians that just want to uh, practice occult magic, um, which, you know, may occasionally need a human sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, you—if you like—you can also play for the satanic organizations. I want to like that, not limit you yeah, to one let, choice. Let, let players get to play, you know, the, the evil characters when when they want to play the yeah. evil characters. Or <laughs> maybe you're just outside of that. Maybe you're investigators and you get pulled into that secret war and just finding a weird murder, and then it turns out this. Uh, Somebody from uh, the Templars that was murdered uh, by uh, the Illuminati, and then you get pulled into the conspiracy. Um, should be rather flexible. Mm. Mm. Don't worry, the other two settings, I don't have that many uh, details. It's more <laughs> of a generic fantasy and generic sci fi, because I think if you have such a system agnostic uh, game, you gotta have I the like main, generic fantasy yeah, and the generic sci fi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
I only have like some basic ideas about the creation myth for the fantasy version and also races for the sci-fi version. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's not that detailed yet, so I can't talk as much about those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, one of the uh, things one of the things that I've been I've been wanting to do, and and a, a huge reason of why I wanted to start this series of like diving into other TTRPGs and like indie RPGs and all that stuff, is because I since the whole OGO debacle, I wanted to learn uh, more systems, and then also take my setting that I've created for Reborn in Power, and uh and start seeing if maybe I could branch out that setting to other systems so that it's uh it's like setting agnostic so you could actually oh nice you could actually play the core realms inside uh, uh any of these of these different systems and each it, each system has a specific location with uh within the universe so like you like let's say like world shapers hat ha- had like a setting that i like i i made for it and then like people Ooh. people could pl- could play in it and it's like a little portion like a little science fantasy portion of 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 the the universe that that people could use the actual world shaper system for it and it's specifically tied to that and then and then maybe like this it can branch out into like in into reborn in power or something like that so that there's like there's a way to transition the character over to like to the different game systems based off of whichever one you're doing and then that just re- that would just require being able to homebrew inside the other systems to like skin specific things uh mm-hmm. differently like i know like world shapers is is system agnostic so like i could i could potentially just be like oh hey here here's a a space cowboy gunslinger type inside your your system and, and just reskin it for like reborn power how how it would be reskinned and, and all that stuff and you 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 could do that, or if there's like a, something that's that's hyper specific. So like inside my universe, there's, there's these beings called Rune Forgers. They're kind of like my Jedi of of the universe. Ah, okay. And and they basically um, they are like the, the protectors of energy that flows throughout the entire core realms, the entire universe, and they are able to uh, manifest like uh, these energy stones known as runes. They each have a specific uh, rune like an actual like script, scripted rune uh, on the energy stones and they they hold these like basically energy within it different types of energies it's, there's eight types of energies and then they all like kind of like break down it's a huge mag- magic system that, that I, I won't get mm-hmm. into like super deep in, into but but basically one of my goals is to is to eventually branch out the core realms to other systems and be able to like make different like modules for those systems so that so that people can play inside those games, but still also experience the world building that I've I've created as well. That's like one of my goals, my, my main goals. But for you, what what do you what is your goal moving forward with with World Shapers? I want to expand it. Uh... Basically, kind of like having a live game service, just without mm-hmm. ripping people off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, everything is going to be free. Like I plan, like there is not going to be like a pay for expansion or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, there's um, a lot of things that uh, still need work. 
it could use a lot more creatures. Currently, I think there are like 26 or 27 creatures. Mm-hmm. And uh, to really be easy for gems to get in, uh, it's we need more creatures. Yeah. Also, it helps yeah. players that want to play like a Somnow or Transformation char- type character that they have more finished creatures to choose from. Uh, of course, the settings that I already mentioned, of course, more uh, talents, more uh, abilities, more upgrades, maybe more sub-archetypes. Uh, I thought I was done when I said uh, there are 100, <laughs> you know, just a nice number, I'm done. And then somebody uh, um, in my Discord group was, uh, how about this kind of character idea? That wouldn't be uh, awesome. And I was like, uh, okay, technically you can already build it with a combination of talents, but... I mean, the guy did design a lot of starter characters for me. Mm. And the thing is, if you ask for one sub-archetype, you're asking for 10 because of my rule that every archetype has the same number of sub-archetypes. Yeah, yeah. And, but yeah. yes, I like that it forces my creativity. I had a lot of great ideas that I would not have if I didn't have the rule enforced. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yes. Uh yeah, basically just keep it involving. Also, rebalance stuff that needs rebalancing. Yeah, I don't see any end anytime soon. <laughs> any any <laughs> end? No end. No end yeah. in sight. But hey, it's 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 a fun process being able to create these these kinds of games and and seeing how players get to use them in their in their own ways and how they they might see it differently and allowing you to kind of expand upon it the more the more you play and that that's that's the beauty of these games honestly definitely like if it wasn't fun neither of us would have lasted this long yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways i think that i think that is actually a really good place to to end if if you can uh, let let my audience mm-hmm. know where where people can find you uh, yes, um, I got a Twitter account, you know, Ishanek on Word Shapers, uh, where I also post things. I've got a Discord group. I usually post their um, uh, preview content, for example, also a good uh, way if you want to find an Ishanek on Word Shapers game. There's, of course, the main website mm-hmm. where all the rules are for free and the tools like a character, character sheet, uh, encounter calculators, and so so on. Probably there will be a YouTube channel up next week. Right. I'm not going to promise anything. Uh, I'm still in the <laughs> editing process of the last video, but probably uh, just uh, look for Ishanek on World Shapers and Google should spit out uh, all relevant links. Yes, and and I'll, on I'll, the main, hmm? I'll be adding all. I'll be adding the links to the description of this episode too. So you you can you can find you. you can find it all. It, down in the description if you're listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yes, thank you, Blaze, for, for joining me in, in this. And uh, I'm, I'm honestly excited about this character that we made here. Uh, so if you, <laughs> do have, if you do have any open, open slots in the future, I, I would be very much down to, to play. Maybe like yeah, maybe I'll maybe a little, another one shot. Uh, maybe a little yes. sci-fi <laughs> version this time. <laughs> I do have a Mass Effect one shot lying Ooh. around. So maybe I can. I okay. <laughs> Ma, uh, my universe is is heavily inspired by by Mass Effect. So it, I love Mass Effect. So, it's an awesome sci fi universe. Yes. So we. Yes, definitely, definitely. 
we will definitely get that get that all situated and thank you for for coming on the ep- these this episode this this series and thank you all for listening to this deep dive into world shapers with yeah, that. thank you for having me here it was a great time it was fun talking with you and of course i love talking about my sister stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah with with, the, with that everyone I mean, doesn't love to talk about yeah <laughs> goodbye with that everyone thank you all and if death comes to you may you be reborn in power thank you for listening to this dive into ashenacon world shapers be sure to check out world-shapers.com to create your own world shaper if you like what you're hearing and want to support, you can subscribe at arthedianandologies.com slash subscribe. A link will also be found in the show notes below. As always, be safe, stay safe, and if death comes to you, may you be reborn in power. <laughs>